The countdown's on, MP. Damo, the biggest and best wellness summit ever is fast approaching. Don't miss out on the entertainment. The education. The edutainment that is the wellness summit. Featuring for the very first time at the summit, the Merrymaker sisters, Carla and Emma Pappas, and the 2013 Bachelor himself, the incredible chiropractor and sharp mover, Mr. Tim Robards, plus all of your wellness couch favorites. And wait for it, Damo. All 22 podcasts on the couch will be in attendance at the summit. Wow. So take your digital wellness couch experience and make it a real-life one at the transformational, inspirational, sensational 16 hours of Powerhouse Wellness Summit at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre. September 10 and 11. More information and tickets available at www.thewellnesssummit.com. Now, before you go, Damo, there's a big competition on as of now. Every single person who registers before a 11.59pm on Sunday, August 14, goes into the draw to win a double pass to the inaugural 2016 Wellness Couch Awards Night. Amazing. You'll join the who's who of the Wellness Couch as we present for the very first time the best new podcast, most popular episode, most popular the host, the best hair, of course, MP, most awkward moment, and many more sensational awards at this night of fun and wellness frivolity. But you must enroll, folks, by August 14. Tickets at thewellnesssummit.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Today's guest wears several awesome caps. He's a naturopath, a nutritionist, and a chiropractor. He's an international speaker, lecturer, and popular podcaster, appearing on both The Wellness Guys and 100 Not Out. He's equally passionate about healing the nervous system as he is about healthy food. In fact, in addition to sorting out people's spines, he's even started his own brand of gluten-free breakfast cereal. Yep, he's a busy boy. Now, if he sounds a little familiar, that's because he's also the voice behind my shiny healthy you intro we'll just add voiceover extraordinaire to his rather crowded cv please <laughs> welcome to the show the awesome dr damien christoph oh, jules thanks jules what a lovely in- intro that's uh that's really nice thank you it's great to be here great to be sharing with you and your crew and your, and your tribe it's wonderful I know, it's so exciting and it's so exciting because we're going to be both wellness couch buddies yay um, so, Damo, just, <laughs> just to introduce you to my people a little bit, tell us how you got into chiropractic because that's what I really want to find out about the most today and I'd love to know why you're so passionate about it. Jules, it's the most fabulous thing. I think um, whenever anybody gets into any healing modality, whether it be Chinese medicine, naturopathy, um, homeopathy, acupuncture, chiropractic, osteopathy, any of those things, um, the reason why they get into it is to help people. Um, And usually they've learned about it from their own experience or um, they, you know, through school decided that that's what they wanted to do in order to help people. They may not have wanted to be a GP or may not have wanted to be a surgeon or a specialist. And so their field of study or their field of inquiry, it took a different path. And you know, these days in Australia, we like to you know categorise everything and call things good or bad or black or white. And so, you know, unfortunately, what you and I do, Jules, gets called an alternative to medicine, and and that's not how I see it. I actually see chiropractic and naturopathy and homeopathy as separate and distinct healing 
um, professions that that offer a different solution to health and well-being um, to, to that of medicine. So I, I don't see us as competing with them. I see us as providing something different for people um, when they're looking for um, an approach to health and well-being that's outside of the medical box, the medical bundle. But I don't see us as an alternative. Anyway, long story that was. But uh, the reason why I got into it was um, I, I was practicing as a, as a naturopath um, solely uh, uh, in, a, in a practice that I set up in Gippsland, Victoria, and all these people were coming in to be being referred to me by a chiropractor. And in my in my studies as a naturopath, we were you know said we were always told to refer to osteopaths because they were gentler. And uh, and I never you know knew that was the case because my cousin was a chiropractor, and you know I'd seen him a few times, and that was you know always good for me. And this particular chiropractor learnt that I was in town, and he started referring his patients to me. And so I noticed one thing. Um, with regards to his patients that he would send to me was that they were all, regardless of whatever was going on, they were all way happier than any of my other patients and they were all way more well than any of my other patients, even though they were coming to see me for particular issues. And so I, I'd often ask and inquire, you know, what is it that you get from the chiropractor? And they'd say, oh, I just feel really good or, I, or my kids, you know, just stay well, you know, for longer. They don't tend to get sick like the other kids at school. And, and so I was, I was interested. So I went around to see this chiropractor and his name is Gary and he, said, and he just told me the story of how the nervous system controls everything within the body and chiropractors access the nervous system through the movement of the spine and that can be done with instruments so or very, very light touch or it can be done with, you know, quite a bit of um, speed and, and what some people might feel as, as a force application but... Um, there's so many different ways to do chiropractic and I was just really interested in it. So I experienced lots of chiropractic and then decided I was going to go and study it because I just I felt the benefits myself. I saw it in my family. I saw it in my friends and athletes and, and in my patients. And I thought this is something that I reckon I could do and offer as, as, a, as another part of, I suppose, my bundle of healthcare um, to assist people in being well. And, uh, and so that's why I got into it. That's why I did it, Jules. Yeah, it seems that Cairo is really complementary with um, naturopathy. I do get a lot of crossover as well where people come to me and they've seen a Cairo for one thing and then they get me to tweak a few things with some herbs or some supplements at my end. How do you see both of those modalities working together? Oh, they work so well together. I, I, have, um, I, I don't practice as a naturopath anymore. Um, I employ a naturopath in my practice, Carly, and she's, she's fabulous, absolutely fantastic. And and I love the concept that if I've got somebody looking after the nutritional side of things and the dietary side of things um, from a naturopathic perspective, that I can look after the nervous system side of things, um, the structural side of things, and, and then, then advise people from an exercise perspective or a stretching perspective as to what might be even more beneficial to them as well. So, um, you know, it, it, I suppose it becomes more holistic and it's certainly a lot more collaborative. Um, and my... I suppose scope of practice as a chiropractor is very much, you know, confined to the spine and the and the and the spinal cord, and and that's really what I work on. And cranials in children, you know, like we'll, we'll do cranial moulding with children and 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 help them because you know we see that, that parents, you know, love the effects that their children receive when uh, when they're receiving chiropractic care. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I get a lot of parents raving to me about the immediate changes they see after taking their child to the chiropractor. Mm. Um, so tell me, what sorts of health conditions uh, can you treat? What sort of results have you seen? 
Well, we see heaps of different results and different varying results. And the challenge, I suppose, with uh, with chiropractic is is much the same as what we see in uh, homeopathy, and to some extent, what we see in um, naturopathy is that every single human being that we see is a, a person. It's not, they're not numbers, and uh, because our treatments don't involve the blocking of a function within the body. We can't measure what happens when we block a function within the body. Um, and, and the reason why I say that is because pharmaceutical intervention or surgical intervention actually blocks function of something within the body. So if you're doing antidepressants or if you're doing antibiotics or if you're doing anticoagulants or you're doing you know, some kind of pharmaceutical intervention, it's blocking a particular function within the body. So you can measure that with a randomized controlled trial um, and, and that particular type of trial is held to be the gold standard for evidence in Australia. Not necessarily the world, just Australia. Um, and there's other countries in the world that try to um, enforce an evidence-based medical approach. But that doesn't kind of work for us because when we see a human being, we identify what's going on in that person's life and to, to, to try and work out you know, where there might be a breakdown in in the way in which the body's working so that we can address that concern um, from a holistic perspective. So if someone's um, low back pain might be different to another person's low back pain and so we can't put them both in a study and then give an intervention to try and measure whether or not um, the intervention is a sham or whether it works or whether it doesn't work, you know. So in terms of what I can say that we treat, Jules, I've got to be really careful about that because particularly in Australia in the current health climate um, with the Friends of Science and Medicine and uh, with the Australian Medical Association, they'll be listening to this particular interview, I guarantee <laughs> it, Jules. Um, they'll be listening in and trying to work out whether or not I say anything good, bad or otherwise. What I want to say here is that the gold standard is very, very difficult to apply to a, a system of healthcare that is so individual and so specific to the individual. It's not general in its nature and it doesn't... Um, just block a function within the body that you can measure. We're, we're looking to measure outcomes individually for our patients. And so we use a lot of anecdotal evidence. We see what happens in the practice. You know, many people come to us with different problems. Um, and, and people listening to this podcast might be aware of the chiropractor, Ian Rossborough, who adjusted a little baby four days old um, and put the video on, on YouTube, which has caused enormous outcry in the health professions um, in Australia at the moment. Um, and, and subsequently, he's been banned from seeing children um, by, by the regulation authorities, even though the parents are absolutely delighted with what he did and the baby had a, a full recovery from its issue. And, uh, and so it's a very, very you know, tricky sort of situation at the moment. But for those people listening, um, you know, to, to try and understand what chiropractors and, and um, chiropractic can actually do and fix, what the evidence tells us that we can do, where the randomized trials have been done or the observational trials have been done, low back pain, neck pain and headache have been the primary focus of chiropractic over the last 30 years. But many people come in to see a chiropractor uh, for many other reasons. You know, it, it could be anything to do with their immune system. It could be something to do with digestion or it could be something to do with elimination or it might be something to do with their, their mindset, you know, mental health or whatever. And, and though chiropractic isn't a treatment for that, we work with that person to assist them to move in the direction of health, which would be away from those symptoms. And so that's a collaborative approach, you know, an approach that we use um, some 
chiropractic techniques on the spine and the nervous system. Uh, we would refer to naturopaths and nutritionists um, and we'd refer to GPs and specialists to ensure that people get the best result. But, you know, people come to us for so many different things and obviously that baby went to that chiropractor uh, for colic. Um, to, to my knowledge, the, the result was great. Um, we see similar sort of things in our practice. People come to see us for particular problems, but we it's not that we treat it. When we look at the body and we look for where something's not working properly or not functioning properly, where there's something causing stress or you know uneasiness within the body or disease within the body, not disease but disease, um, when something's causing that and we correct it, uh, and they get better, then we go, well, that's great, that's awesome. We, we definitely don't go and advertise that we've found a cure for that particular thing. No, no. And that, that makes it so much clearer. And it's actually quite similar to some aspects of naturopathy where we don't say that we cure or treat any specific disease we say more that we treat the person yeah. and and that's you know it's, it's especially the the more you know the more you get into disease states the more we say we treat the person so you, a person never comes in for one thing do they, they never come in for a chest infection or you know a, a tummy problem it's exactly. it's a problem with the whole person like you said with that dis-ease it's it's a it's a bigger picture and everything is connected isn't it I just, oop, I just, un, I muted the wrong thing. Yeah, absolutely, Jill. So, yeah, it's everything's interconnected, and everybody is, um, you know, everything from the toes through to the nose is connected in some way. Um, and if you consider the way in which the embryology um, or embryological process takes place, so when a sperm and an egg comes together, and all the cells start to divide and start to separate and start to, you know, grow. Um, limbs and fingers and noses and all that sort of stuff, the gastrointestinal system and the brain or the nervous system arise from the same cells. Like they literally come uh, and they unfold from exactly the same area. In other words, the tissues and the cells that are used to make the brain are the same tissues and cells that are used to make the gastrointestinal system um, from very, very early stages of embryological development all the way through to when the um, the cells start to divide and then start to open up and the fetus, you know, takes on a more human shape uh, as opposed to a tadpole shape. It's, uh, it, there's this very, very close intricate link between the gastrointestinal system and the nervous system. And that's where things things like um, psychoneuroimmunology, uh, the study of the nervous system, the immune system and stress um, actually come into play. And, and we understand that there is a very, very close link between those things. So chiropractic and naturopathy, just they go hand in hand. It's like, you know, I don't know, there's there's a song that, they, that, 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 that talks about it, you know, um, horse and carriage, uh, what, what are the other things? Go together like a horse and carriage. Love a marriage. Love a marriage. You know. I thought you were going to sing me that hip bones connected to the knee bones. <laughs> the thigh bone. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, definitely. Yeah, that song. That great song. Love a marriage. Um, that that definitely sums up exactly where um, chiropractic and naturopathy are together. Yep, that's that's awesome, and it's it's lovely when you can get modalities that work together like that, where everyone does their little bit and then knows when to hand the client over to someone else for you know something that would be complementary. I, I think that's you know I, I've got that real utopian ideal of you know of life that we should all be collaborating rather than competing, but maybe that's because I live in Byron Bay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you're in a you're in a different, uh, a very different part of the country. I think. Yeah, totally. Damo, um, 
I would love to know just a quick rundown. You mentioned earlier um, when you first went to see that chiropractor and he spoke to you about how it all works and how the nervous system works. And I've heard of the term subluxation a lot. I know that that's something that some chiropractors toss around a little bit. And yep. is, is there a way that you can just explain in, you know, in really simple terms how it works in terms of how those nerves feed the organs and why it's important to get everything back in alignment? Yeah, absolutely. Look, the term subluxation was a term coined by D.D. Palmer, who who founded chiropractic, you know, back in 1896. And uh, he, he used the term subluxation to describe um, a situation within the spine where at that time of understanding, it felt like the bone was out of place and they they referred to it as if the bone was out of place and was putting pressure on the nerve. And so the old terminology around the word subluxation implied that there was pressure on the nerve because the bones in the spine were out of place. Now, the result of many, many years of research and anatomical dissection and, and cadaver work and all that sort of thing now explains to us that that physiologically cannot be the case. Like that's, that's not what happens. But the word subluxation still these days, um, and, and I use the word subluxation because it helps me describe to somebody what it is that I'm looking for in their spine. And, and so I look for an area or a, a, an area within the, the, the body or a joint complex within the body or the, or the spine that doesn't appear to be moving as well as what it should. In other words, it's not, it hasn't got full range of motion and it's not moving to where it needs to be. And what we understand with that is that because of the aberrant motion of the spine, in other words, the spine is not moving properly and muscles are trying to correct it, that's affecting the way in which the nervous system works at that segment. And that's measurable. And so what we're now seeing and the research that's coming out of the New Zealand College of Chiropractic is such that these areas of aberrant motion uh, or these areas of what we call subluxation affect the brain in terms of its ability to receive and send information via that nerve pathway. Now, that may result in pain for some people. For other people, it may result in a decrease or an increase in function. Um, it, and it's not always the same for every single person. But what is the same is that when we apply a force um, or our adjustment technique to that particular area, that can be measured in the brain. And so we do know that when we do do something to the spine, it's affected and is measurable in the brain. And the, the next thing that we've learned as a result of up-to-date up research and science coming out of New Zealand, uh, which is you know also occurring in Europe, uh, but ignored here in Australia, which is really fascinating. So for those of the, you know, the doubters that are listening to this particular podcast, you know, the research is actually there. You're just not choosing to see it. <laughs> what we're actually seeing is that the brain changes as a result. So we, we're getting permanent changes within the brain in various sections within the brain as a result of the chiropractic adjustments. And, and this is very, very important to understand. It means that the work that we do do lasts and that the work that we do do builds. So we can do an adjustment and that will last for a period of time, but we can do a sequence and a series of adjustments over a period of time. And the longer the period of time, the better. And, and we can create longer lasting change within the brain, which is unbelievably great for all of humanity. It's just that we need to try and get that message out there more. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you out there listening in New Zealand, um, you're ahead of us. <laughs> oh, they're so far ahead of us, the Kiwis. They really are. They're kicking goals, the Kiwis. I love going to New Zealand. I love New Zealand. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so why is it so different here, Damo? 
we've got a very, uh, I'll be probably, I'll, I'm going to be a bit contentious here. We've got a bunch of people that, um, that don't like anything that fits outside their box or sits outside their box. And they feel that unless, um, unless, you do what they do, then you're wrong. Now, the The perception of right and wrong in Australia, I think, goes all the way back to convict days. You know, when we used to bring people who did who stole a loaf of bread and they were locked up in jail and got shipped off from um, England because they were bad people, and got brought to Australia where we were the jail. And um, and and that sort of perception of right or wrong, good or bad, um, black or white, has kind of persisted. And so that there's a class system set up where um, I, I suppose the gatekeepers to the healthcare system uh, or at least the healthcare dollar in Australia uh, with with the government um, uh, is mainstream medicine. And it's a very, very political situation that we find ourselves in that much of the of, of disease promotion is, is touted as being health promotion. But if you talk about taking Panadol, if you talk about taking um, you know, aspirin or um, anti-inflammatory drugs, or if you talk about taking um, any kind of pharmaceutical intervention, because it's pharmaceutical, there's this perception that there's evidence. And as a result of there being evidence that there's also safety. Um, and the, the people think that it goes hand in hand. And so because it's pharmaceutical, people think that it's medical. And so as a result, medicine and pharmaceuticals all kind of get bundled into this one thing where they call that evidence-based medicine. And anything that's outside of that is considered to be an alternative medicine. And we're held to a different standard of evidence. So we're, hand to, we're held to a different standard of, um, of responsibility. So what a naturopath and a chiropractor has to prove works um, isn't necessarily the same as pharmaceutical or mainstream medicine. Like there's no double-blind placebo-controlled studies on knee arthroscopes, for example, but they continue to do them and the government funds them. Um, there's no double-blind placebo-controlled studies um, for shoulder surgery, um, but they continue to do them and the government funds them. Um, and there's no double-blind placebo-controlled studies for the safety um, of antacids in children um, because you can't get ethics approval to do scientific rigorous studies on children, but they just translate the effect from adults into a baby population. Um, there's no double-blind placebo-controlled studies around the safety um, of anti-inflammatories you know, that we give to children. Um, and, and in fact, the number one cause of death in children of accidental overdose is paracetamol um, in Australia. But Whoa. that's all seen to be safe because it's considered to be part of the medical model, um, which is deemed evidence-based medicine. And, and, and there's no double-blind placebo-controlled trials on chiropractic because it's impossible to give everyone exactly the same treatment, which is what would need to happen in order for a trial right. to take place. And that's, that's, what, right. that's what a lot of people I think out there don't realize is you can't crack, you know, and, and adjust and, uh, you know, manipulate and do, you know, the same thing to everyone. Like That's in the right. same spot, you would have to actually work on the same vertebrae in exactly the same person, you know, a hundred thousand times, wouldn't you? So you would have to go, okay, this is the vertebrae we're adjusting and we're going to do it for all of those people and we're going to see who gets better. That's how these trials are done in yeah. the medical world. Yet in these sorts of modalities, every single person that comes to you would need something slightly different. And because of the nature of that treatment, you can't turn it into a double-blind placebo-controlled trial. And then what do you do with the placebo group? 
Well, placebo is great. You know, even if placebo was all that worked, that'd be amazing because people get 60% resolution. So <laughs> any trial that's done needs to be um, better than 60%. That's, that's the, the rule of thumb that if something doesn't get a 60% improvement, then, the, then essentially it's, a, uh, it's placebo. So many of the drugs that are on the market these days um, don't perform much better than placebo. And so 10 years down the track or 20 years down the track, we start to hear um, commentary around, say, for example, antidepressants. You know, antidepressants for um, non, um, you know, severe, like the just, I think they call it, uh, might be, I, I'm, I'm forgetting the terminology, but for the non, the, not, the not, the, not, not dangerous depression, like, but for like kind of let's say there's three there's extreme there's depression. There's like a mild to moderate depression. Yeah, and, moderate yeah. depression, mild to moderate. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. The, for mild to moderate depression, antidepressants are no more effective than placebo. So we know that, and that's in the research, and that's in the literature, and it's printed in the British Medical Journal, and it's printed in the American Medical Association Journal, JAMA. And uh, but in Australia, we still produ- we still um, prescribe antidepressants for people with mild to moderate depression when they could just go and take some St. John's wort, which, you know, works the same, um, or they could, you know, do placebo and it works the same. So, you know, I, you know, and we also see, you know, that, uh, ear infections, for example, uh, there's research that says that, uh, antibiotics shouldn't be the first line uh, of defense for ear infections. It's been reported in the Australian medical journal, um, the, the journal of American medical association, British medical uh, journal, all of these are prestigious medical journals. It says GPs should not prescribe antibiotics as a first-line defense for ear infections. Most of them will resolve without antibiotics. We're trying to decrease the amount of antibiotics that we're using in the world and um, because of these superbugs. But still, in Australia, uh, people are prescribing antibiotics as a first-line defense for ear infections for children when you know, most of them are, will resolve within three to four days by themselves. Yep, and that's frightening because Amazing. from a naturopathic point of view, the more antibiotics you give, the more you start to destroy the gut flora. And if you destroy the gut flora, they're more likely to have food allergies, then they're more likely, or intolerances, then they're more likely to have ear infections. That's <laughs> that's right, right? I know. So it's all very swings and roundabouts. You know, who knows what comes first? But then, yeah, look, that's such an interesting thing to think about is that much of what we um, are prescribed these days and much of what actually happens in medicine, I think it's something like 60 or 70% of all the pharmaceutical drugs that are in use today in Australia um, haven't been put through randomized controlled studies. Um, and uh, to that end, we don't know the degree of long-term use and whether or not that's safe. So, you know, we're definitely chiropractors, naturopaths, um, osteopaths and other um, non-medical health professions um, are held to a different standard of care or a different standard of, um, of rigour than, uh, than mainstream medicine and pharmaceuticals. Yeah, and, and look, rigour's good. People are trying to do that in order to protect everyone. But, yeah, it's frightening to realise that, that, you know, the, that medical model has got some issues as well. Oh, totally. Massive, massive issues. And, you know, interestingly, um, in Australia, we don't report um, iatrogenic death. Uh, so we don't really know how many people die as a result of taking drugs or having surgery in Australia. We don't really know. So in the latest government statistics, um, it was reported that it was a certain number of deaths in, in Australia in total. Um, so we know that 
people die and, and people are born. Uh, in Australia, the total number of deaths was reported, but not one was reported as a medical error or, or as a medical um, mistake or as, uh, as a result of pharmaceutical intervention. However, uh, and not, that, that means not one. However, we do know that around 1,600 people per year overdose on paracetamol. 250,000 people per year, it's 250,000 people per year die from drugs or surgery um, as a result of the correctly prescribed drug um, and the correct surgery. These are just medical error or medical mistake. And so they know that that is an iatrogenic um, disaster. Like they know that what's been caused by medicine over in America is a huge, huge problem but it's ignored here in Australia. So we don't actually, we don't get access to that information in Australia. It's kept a secret and it's seen that everybody else is dangerous because there's no reporting of mainstream medical error in Australia. Well, so there's so much food for thought there, Damo, and, and so much for us to go home and really get our heads around. So I'm going to lighten the, uh, yeah, the mood just a let's little bit Let's put a smile now. back on our face. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> go and put your foodie hat on and okay. tell me about forage. Oh, I love it. So when I was doing it, I did a TV show, Jules. I don't know if you know that. I did a TV show when I was in New Zealand and um, and I helped I helped heaps of people lose weight. But we did 36 episodes of this TV show. It ran for four seasons. And, um, and it was New Zealand's number one rated ranking reality television show at the time. And so we were nailing it. It was fantastic. And off the back of that TV show, I was asked to write a recipe, a recipe book. So I did. And, uh, and one of the things that they wanted was a muesli that would enable people to lose weight. Now, it was very new at the time, but there was this, this understanding. We started to understand that wheat and gluten affected people's ability to lose weight. We weren't too sure. We didn't realize at the time that there was interaction interplay between the thyroid gland and conversion of thyroid hormone and wheat. We didn't know that. We didn't know about non-celiac gluten sensitivity. We suspected it, but we didn't really know that it existed. But... I had recognized, having practiced at that time for about 15 years in naturopathy, or actually 12 years in naturopathy, um, that people didn't lose weight if they ate oats and they didn't lose weight if they ate lots of um, wheat and gluten. So I thought maybe there's got to be a link. So I created a muesli that contained um, things like quinoa and millet and amaranth and buckwheat um, and some nuts and seeds, brown rice, and just really light and, you know, tasty with a little bit of dried fruit. I used cranberries just to keep it a little bit sweet, but without uh, the fructose issues that you can get from other dried fruits. And, um, and we lost weight with it. And, and I was like, wow, far out. This is amazing. So we, I was finding that people were losing weight and feeling really good and enjoying the muesli. And I thought, well, I should maybe make this into a product. And so I, I made forage. And so we've, we've now had forage in the marketplace for nearly five years and um, off the back of that muesli which is is the original muesli uh, blend I've gone on to make a gluten-free birch muesli which is my favorite I love that then we've got a, a, a porridge a gluten-free porridge which tastes like real porridge it's uh, it's amazing and then um, because paleo is kind of um, making you know headway into the nutrition world and people are starting to get a bit concerned about the amount of grain that they were, they were consuming, um, I put together a, a paleo blend of nuts and seeds and dried fruits so that people could, you know, snack away or have a, a really, you know, higher fat, higher protein kind of breakfast with, um, with, with paleo-inspired ingredients. Wow, awesome. And whereabouts is that sold? Well, it, it should be sh- sold out of your naturopathic practice, Jules. That's where it's 
fantastic. <laughs> That's <laughs> that'd be amazing. But uh, it's it's sold in all good uh, health food stores. Uh, you definitely find it in a lot of IGAs around the country. Uh, you see it in, in in gourmet grocers. It's definitely a premium product, and we're using the best quality nuts and seeds and and uh, gluten free, and in high protein grains that you could possibly get. And so. You know the the price point's not a Coles or Woolworths price point. It's uh, it's more of a a, yeah, a health food store kind of price point or a, a naturopathic practices health point. You, you can actually um, you can get it from a lot of chiropractors too. Heaps of chiropractors stock it around as well. Yep, awesome, awesome. I'm um, I'll give you my address. I'm expecting a care package. Thank you. Yeah, I'll send I'll send some <laughs> through to you. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll do some quality control for you, mate. <laughs> yeah, just a QC, just a QC. Feedback, yeah. good feedback. No, look, it's a really fabulous product and um, and people can consume it just the way they would normally have um, a muesli-type product uh, in the morning or a porridge in the morning. Um, but, of course, they they absolve themselves of the worry uh, around gluten and the effect of gluten on the body because it's, it's very significant. Yeah, and the other thing I notice about a lot of gluten-free products that are out there on the market is that a lot of them are making up for the lack of gluten by throwing in lots of processed, really full-on refined grains that are gluten-free but really processed and sugary things. So Yeah, yeah. That's, you're right. Yeah. yeah, so many sugary things and emulsifiers, thickeners, yeah, shortcuts, ways in which they can keep the flavour up um, but, but not necessarily enhance the, the well-being potential of that particular product. Yeah, because just because something says gluten-free on the label doesn't necessarily mean that it's healthy. So, yeah, good to know that there's... very true. That is very true. Yeah, good to know that there's stuff out there like yours that is fantastic. Now, you you must be really busy with all of these hats that you wear and all of these things that you do. Um, It's pretty full on. How do you relax? How do you unwind and create balance in your life? Um, I still train. Like I think it's really important to exercise. Um, so I exercise, you know, three to four times a week, and um, I don't go hardcore. So I, I don't go to a CrossFit gym and and go really hardcore. I don't lift Olympic weights. Um, I really love that people go and do CrossFit. I think it's really great. Um, um, I enjoy doing yoga. So sometimes I put a yoga wrap up on the television and and start doing some yoga in front of my TV. Um, I had my personal training session this morning with my mate Ash Bedford and. And so I do all these sorts of things all the time. That's part of my downtime. I love playing golf too, Jules, so I play golf once or twice a week. Um, and so fitting all of those sorts of things in actually requires a bit of discipline. Um, I love my son, Debutz. He's 16 years old, and so we spend a lot of time together. So we often go to the football together, and that's fantastic. And my wife and I um, will try and sneak four or five hours on a weekend where we just kind of hang out and you know, go to a coffee shop and just chill out and relax. And every morning I've got a routine and um, Amber and I go and have a coffee, you know, you know, could be an hour after we've had our breakfast and um, we're going to have a coffee and then I'll head off to work and she'll head off to work. And so we, we try to structure our lifestyle first and then we put work into it as opposed to doing work and then structuring a lifestyle on the other side of it. Um, and and that's, that's really important to us. Um, because otherwise you're just working for the sake of working as opposed to working to improve your your well-being and your lifestyle. So there's that. But I've also got an amazing team around me. You know, like the wellness guys and the wellness couch doesn't happen without amazing people. So Marcus Pierce, for example, who's absolutely incredible, is a workhorse and he does so much of the work for the wellness couch and Lawrence and Brett with the wellness guys, you know, we all work as a team with in that regard. And then my whole team at my practice, they're amazing. And then my, my team um, at Forage is incredible. So 
I, I rely on a lot of people to do their job and I think that's that's the whole idea about being in business is that you have the opportunity to, to provide work for people and all they've got to do in order to earn their income is to do their job and if they do their job, everything works well. Yeah, it sounds like you've got really, really good people around you and that, that's that's a sign. You know, Good people attract good people, don't they? They do. You don't always have good people. I've had some absolutely crappy people in the past. I've had some really <laughs> bad ones. Um, but when you find a good one, you've got to keep them. Yeah, totally, totally. Now, Damo, a lot of people listening today uh, are probably quite tired. They're qu- probably quite run down. They might be a little bit overwhelmed at all the things they think they have to do to get healthy. They might be feeling like they're stuck in, you know, at a bit of a roadblock. Yeah. What's the one thing that you could tell our listeners out there today that they could do right now that you would recommend to move themselves forward in the right direction? Oh, it's a great question, Jules. I think understanding what stress actually is. So when I mention the word stress, people will think um, about emotional stress immediately. Yeah, I'm stressed out at work or yeah, I've got this stress or yeah, that person's really stressing me out. But to understand that there's three causes of stress, I think it's really important. So there's physical causes of stress and then there's emotional causes of stress and then there's chemical causes of stress and each of those stressors affect the body in exactly the same way and repeated stressors on the body cause a dysfunctional stress response and that's what we often refer to as adrenal fatigue so a dysfunctional stress response is where the body can no longer mount an appropriate stress response to the stressors that are in our environment and and we feel flat and we feel tired as a result of that one of the ways in which we can affect stress on our body in other words wind back the clock on the effects of stress on our body is to exercise and if we exercise for just 30 minutes a day in other words if we just walk for 30 minutes a day then we can decrease the effect of stress on our body by about 50 percent which is enormous Um, the other thing that we can do is get involved in in great nutrient habits or nutritional habits make it easy for yourself so make sure your breakfast starts off really well and and move your coffee from being the first thing that you do in the day to something that you do after you've consumed your meal so that it's not all together. That can be quite challenging for many people's stress response, particularly if you're already tired. Don't rely rely on coffee or tea to pick you up. Make sure your meals are are, richer in protein and and the carbohydrate types that you're choosing um, actually offer benefits. So fruits and vegetables, gluten-free grains, making sure that you're doing – you don't have to have grain all the time, P.S. Just because grain exists doesn't mean you've got to eat it all the time. It's just that it's it's there and you can have a little bit of it with your meals. And so that tends to work well. But make sure your meals are richer in protein, richer in fat, and richer in good quality carbohydrates, and you do really well. But – I reckon one of the the greatest things that people could do to decrease the effect of stress in the body is to make sure their spine's working. You know, if your spine's not working properly um, and your nervous system's under fire and and being challenged, your chiropractor can find that out and sort that out for you and and can become part of your healthcare team to assist you. And, you know, when you're working with Jules, for example, doing food and nutrition, vitamin intervention, herbal intervention, you're doing all those sorts of things. And if you're still tired, one of the things that could be missing is the ability of your brain to be able to effectively communicate um, via the spinal cord to end organs and, uh, and chiropractors are trained to be able to help you with that. That's such good advice. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Now, <laughs> where can people find you? Um, feel free to like, let us know what websites, where can they find you on Facebook? Go. <laughs> Ah, oh, beautiful. Thanks. Um, I, look, I just started up with Snapchat yesterday. Um, oh, never done my that God. Before. How's that? Getting trendy. So Snapchat <laughs> is just Damien Christoph, all one word. And then um, I've got Facebook, which is Damien Christoph Page. 
Um, so it's Damien Christoph page. And then if you go to uh, Instagram, it's Damien Christoph. But if you go to DamienChristoph.com, which is D-A-M-I-A-N-K-R-I-S-T-O-F.com, um, and I'm, I'm sure it's going to be the show, the show notes, right, Jules? Absolutely. Uh, people can actually click through there, get access to my newsletters, articles I'm writing, where I'm presenting any of my talks and seminars. You can click through from there to Forage, listen to the Wellness Guys, Wellness Couch, or, or whatever else. But there's, there's plenty of places to find me. But just go to DamienChristoph.com. Awesome. Yes, I will put lots of really cool links in the show notes. It'll all be there. Thanks, George. Excellent. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. It's been a real pleasure and a real eye-opener, I think. So, yeah, I, um, I'm off to go and book an appointment with my chiropractor and have my 30-minute walk now. <laughs> Thanks so much, Damo. <laughs> Good on you, Jules. Thank you. All the best. Congratulations. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that eye-opening chat with Damien Christoph. If you like what you've heard here, hit subscribe and stick around. There are loads of juicy interviews with health and wellness industry peeps coming your way in the weeks to come, including chats about healthy lunch options, flower essences, superfoods and cutting down on alcohol. Now, you may have noticed that I haven't done an Ask the Naturopath segment in a little while. I've decided to move the Q&A segment over to my Facebook page. So every week, I'm going to be doing a Facebook Live post where you can ask your questions in real time and get on-the-spot answers in real time. How cool is that? So the first Facebook Q&A will be on Monday the 8th of August at 8pm. Or if you miss that one, make sure you check my Facebook feed for the next date. You can find me on Facebook at Jules Galloway Health. Also, if you're feeling a bit under the weather and need to get your health back on track, if you could use some healthy recipes, meal plans and a gentle kick up the butt from yours truly, head to shinyhealthyyou.com and learn how you can go from fatigue to fabulous in just 12 weeks. Finally, if you'd like a free whole food recipe ebook, head to julesgalloway.com and you'll find a link there on the right-hand side to Shiny Healthy Whole Foods. You'll find some great recipes in there to help you get started on the path to better health. Phew, so that was a lot to get through this week. As usual, thank you so much for listening and thank you in particular for the wonderful emails, reviews and feedback that I've been receiving. I'm absolutely loving this whole podcasting gig and there's so much good stuff still to come. Have a wonderful week, stay shiny out there and bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.